Welcome back to the Strategic Meeting Tech Podcast. The Strategic Meeting Tech Podcast is your podcast source for news and discussion of the meetings and events industry. Each week, we bring you stories of new technologies, new ideas, and new directions that will directly affect all of us in the meetings and events industry. I'm your host, John Trask. I'm a CMP, a CMM, and I'm a 30-year veteran of both the audiovisual and meetings and events industry. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, you're listening to the Strategic Meeting Tech Podcast, and we have a, a special guest today, uh, Karen Buxman. And Karen is going to be presenting at the CMP Conclave in Baltimore uh, coming up in about a month. Hello, Karen. Hello, John. Thanks so much. I'm so excited to be here with you today. Well, really, really happy to have you and looking forward to your session. I've been doing a little research before we talked, and it just it sounds like some fascinating, uh, fascinating material on using humor <laughs> in, uh, in leadership and, and business situations. And we're going to dig into that in a bit. But maybe before we go too far in, let's talk about you a little and just hear some of your background. Oh, gee, if you insist, <laughs> ask a speaker to talk about themselves. Uh, my body of work for over 20 years now has been researching strategic humor. And I, I stumbled into this in the late 80s when I was doing research in graduate school on humor and health and communication and just felt like I had stumbled upon a gold mine. At that point in time, people had heard a little bit about Norman Cousins, but there was very little research being done. And it was a very pivotal point in my life. I decided at that point in time that I was just going to devote the rest of my life to researching humor. And in that process, it was uh, people started hearing about my research, asked me to come share my findings. And I got ready to do my first presentation. It was going to be an academic presentation about the p-value of less than 0.05. And I discovered that people thought I was funny. It was like, who <laughs> knew? <laughs> and, and I started getting so many requests that I very uh, soon had to decide between my teaching career or my speaking career. And I decided to, um, to give speaking a try and... I, you know, it just it has been a, a wonderful ride for for 20 years, and I love entertaining audiences. I love making them laugh. But really, what brought this girl to the dance was the the practical application of humor. And so I just get so excited talking to people about how they can use this purposefully and intentionally, and improve their businesses, improve their relationships, improve their health, improve their lives. You know, the last five years, I've really delved deep into the brain and humor. And thus, I am the, the world's first neurohumorist. <laughs> <laughs> and and I so I'm very excited to have this opportunity to share with the, the listeners and the attendees there. We're going to, we're just going to really um, have a, a great fun time, but they're also going to walk away with some things that I think can really make a measurable difference in their day-to-day -day lives. Well, and that's, I know that's something that uh, meeting planners are, are always looking for because as, uh, as when we were, before we started recording, we were talking about just how stressful uh, the job can be. And so certainly having a way to uh, relieve some of that tension and pressure and do it effectively and do it in a way that's going to enhance 
the work you're doing is uh, is going to be a terrific uh, takeaway for folks to be able to walk away with. Absolutely, uh, yeah, because one of the things that we have found is that um, the human brain is actually hardwired to look for negativity, look for stressful things. It's the brain's job to protect us. And so, you know, so it's really stress can be a very natural state for people and sometimes more natural for some people. <laughs> yeah, but but as you and I were, were chatting about the fact that, you know, if you are really, really doing a, a good job, then most of the time you're kind of invisible. But right. if you're not doing a great job or something goes wrong, God forbid, oh my gosh, everybody knows your name. And so, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of different areas that stress can come from. It can it can come from somebody who's attending the meeting. It might be coming from a vendor. It might be coming from a stakeholder. Or it might just even be coming from your own personal life. And with, with, uh, with your daily routine, there's three primary areas that you're going to find stress coming from and it, it might be communication it might be the unexpected yeah it, it might be people yeah when i <laughs> when i ask people why do you do this you know that what do you love about your job when i talk to meeting planners and they'll be talking about all the different things and really what it boils down to is they just they love people and then when i say okay well well just you know what drives you nuts what drives you crazy yeah, the number one answer is people. <laughs> and you know, the great news is with all of the negative effects that we have found stress to have on our bodies, whether it's physiological or psychological or emotional or social, even spiritual, what we're finding now is that humor is the antithesis of those effects in just every single one of those areas. And so it can be a great coping mechanism for those short-term issues that pop up and and the piece that I like taking a little bit deeper and a little bit further for people is that if you use it proactively and purposely and intentionally on a regular basis now you're building up bandwidth now you're building up resilience so that when you're coming into the meeting season and you're just getting hammered you know day after day after day after day you've got something to to help deal with those circumstances rather than just wanting to fold under pressure. And there's lots of different ways that people can deal with stress. But, oh my gosh, when I tell people you can do it without having to eat kale, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, without having to get on a treadmill or pay some kind of a, a membership fee, you know, you're not going to break the bank and you're not going to break a sweat. I can show you how to do this and build your resilience and, and help you deal with stress. I mean, what's not to love about that? Well, and it's it's interesting because I'm thinking about even the most stressful situations I can think of in a, in a work history where things have just been really challenging. You often look back at them and you can find an element of humor in it when you're reflecting back on the situation. And, and <laughs> after a while, it almost becomes a little bit funny to uh, to be able to sort of reframe it in your mind and and just find the humor in in the situation. You know that is that is such a great point that you're making because when we're young as children, you know anybody who's listening to this, if they can think about being around a young child or even being a young child, uh, you know we laugh out of joy and delight. But by the time we get to be adults and some more so than others, the, the majority of our humor 
is coming from pain and discomfort, <laughs> whether it's ours or whether it's somebody else's. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, we're not laughing about the fact that we've got a, a big fat paycheck. You know, we're <laughs> we're 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 laughing about the things that make us crazy. And the point that you made is a good one. That you know, when do we find it funny? It, it's when we can emotionally detach. Because I'm betting that there's every single person listening to this can remember a time when something happened and they thought, oh my goodness, this is so awful. It's so horrendous. This is it's just, I, I will never live this down. And a week later, they're sharing it with somebody and they're both laughing so hard that they're just doubled over. And it's because you've had that emotional detachment. And so time is something that will help with that. Now, some people can emotionally detach right away, some over days, some over weeks, and sometimes it's so painful that you may never get over it. You know, and you hear the phrase, oh, too soon? And yeah. for some things, it, it may be. But if you can, in the, in the midst of, of everything circling the toilet in your day, if you can ask yourself, you know, am I, someday am I going to laugh about this? Right. You know, if if that may be the case, then maybe you can shorten the time frame. And that's really one of the beautiful aspects of humor is that it helps psychologically reframe your perspective. And so the the circumstances themselves haven't changed, but how you're viewing them with this emotional detachment allows you to be healthier and more clear headed and make better decisions. From a neurological point, we call this an amygdala hijack. When you are under stress or something horrendous happens, the uh, the limbic system, the emotional part of your brain gets hijacked, and all of a sudden you're making decisions. Have you ever made a decision and later you 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 think to yourself, "I knew better than that." <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, I thinking. You know, and this is you know just in case you have a teenager, this is where their brains live. They live in their amygdala. They are not yet making decisions from their prefrontal cortex. And so when you're saying, "What were you thinking?" the answer to that is they weren't thinking. You know, they were responding from their limbic system. So, um, so that's that's you know here here I go. I'm off on a, on a tangent here. Damn another rabbit hole. Well, this is such a fun topic for me. So, great point, John. Well, it's you know it. it it's an interesting topic because one thing that, that I did want to ask about is, is the subjectiveness of humor. And that could sort of apply in what you're saying about the, the way your brain reacts and such. There, there, to me, seem to be certain risks because sometimes humor is appropriate or maybe sometimes not. And I think maybe some people might hesitate or be uncomfortable with deciding the, how to apply humor in a situation. You are you are so spot on. Um, and when I, I when I'm speaking to people in positions of leadership, and we talk about reasons that they hesitate to use humor proactively, um, you know, and I say, well, you know, what's holding you back? A, a couple of things come up. One, they're afraid that they won't be seen as professional, or that people won't take them seriously. And we can address that, you know, down the line. And I will be addressing that at the at the program. Yeah, another thing is people say, well, you know, what if nobody laughs or what if I'm not funny? Now being funny is another issue that I'm gonna set aside for a second. Sure. But you know, why might people not laugh? And there's a number of reasons for that. You know, sometimes uh, what's funny to one person may not be funny to somebody else. And you may have experienced this at some time, only to laugh hysterically at somebody <laughs> or something, you know, and the and the person looking at you going, 
that's not funny. Right. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah, it was. Um, you know, the other thing, the, the issue is that, you know, with this political correctness and, you know, we have to be careful what we say. And especially if you're somebody in a position of leadership or you're on the stage. And a lot of, I have some certain guidelines that I, I teach people in terms of taking some of the risk out of humor because there's always going to be a little bit of risk with humor. I can, I can get rid of about 99% of it for you, but there's always going to be that one piece or that 1% where somebody has brought in some baggage and they are going to view whatever you say or do through that lens, regardless of how careful you are. Mm -hmm. And so just know from up front that you're never going to please 100% of, of your of your listeners or participants or whatever when you're using humor. But, but in terms of why is it risky, there's four areas, John, that, that I think are really important for leaders to take away. And it, the four areas are bond, environment, timing and safety. So I use the acronym BETS, bets, you know, what are the bets? The bets are on. And so bond is your relationship with somebody. And here's the number one mistake people make. They assume when they're dealing with another person that that person is more like them than they really are. Hmm. And it's like, oh, well, I like this kind of humor, so they're going to like this kind of humor. Or I, I believe in this political candidate, so they're going to believe in this political candidate. Or uh, I find, you know, whatever it might be, we think that others think like us. And the case is more often than not, we think that they do more than they really do. So the better you know someone, the safer the humor. Because if you put your foot in your mouth and it's somebody you've known for a long time, chances are they're going to be very forgiving. But if it's somebody who's meeting you for the first time, it's a new client, it's a new attendee, it's a new customer, it's a new vendor, whomever that might, person might be, and you stick your foot in your mouth, you may damage that relationship forever. And so in those instances, when you're using humor proactively, the safest kind of humor to use is self-effacing humor, mm -hmm. making fun of yourself rather than making fun of something else. So, so that's the, the piece of, of uh, relationship and humor, bond. Environment, um, in terms of humor and environment, your environment is anyone who can hear you, see you, um, participate in your humor, whether they were the intended audience or not. And so the fact that you and I are talking and we're doing this recording and it's intended for people who are in the um, meetings industry, if we would say something that was derogatory, say, about doctors, <laughs> um, and don't get me started, <laughs> because I do a lot of, of healthcare humor, but, but you know, if we were to take it out of this environment and put it into a different environment, the joking might not be appropriate, but and we we couldn't control that. So, so just knowing ahead of time that, am I okay if this extends beyond the context of this room or this podcast or, or if I'm if I'm emailing something to somebody and they forward it to somebody else and it still has my name on it, is there a problem with that? Or better yet, social media. That's a big one now, and mm -hmm. especially in corporations. I actually talked to a young woman who was just devastated because she had shared humor with somebody that she had a close relationship with. She got that part right. But that person then forwarded it in her Facebook group 
to another. She shared it on a different page. And the original girl's employer was in that group. And when she saw that humor, she said, this is not humor that is in philosophy with our organization and goodbye. Mm. So she, you know, she lost her job. So environment is something that you need to keep in mind. Um, Timing, you know, going back to humor comes from pain and discomfort. (laughs) Has the other person been able to emotionally detach from it? You know, if you're thinking, you know, too soon, (laughs) then (laughs) maybe you should keep this to yourself. And, uh, you know, then in the, in the last piece is safety. And this is a a component that I've just added over the last few years because we used to think in terms of safety as the physical safety. And there's a whole bit I could share with you about practical jokes, some that work and some that don't. But the emotional safety has now become a very important factor in corporations and in healthcare and in meeting industries because people can actually bully others through humor. Mm -hmm. So you have to ask yourself, is anybody going to be physically or emotionally harmed if I share this humor? And so if you go through that checklist, you know, bond environment, timing, safety, if you can answer to yourself, well, all of these criteria are met, then go for it. (laughs) But, you know, if in doubt for any one of those, either poke fun at yourself or move on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's interesting uh, in listening to that because I I know that I fall back on self-humor in in frequent situations because that does just, to me, always feel a little safer to make fun of yourself. And I have plenty of material to work from there. (laughs) So I... I never, uh, I never worry too much about it, but I've always been more circumspect about humor at someone else's expense. You know, it just seems more risky. Right, right. It, it, it always is. And whenever there's something funny, there's a target. There, you know, there's a generally, a, I mean, in terms of, of joking and, and most of the humor that we share, I mean, I, there are some kinds of, when you're talking about fun and play, you can have some kinds of humor that are non-competitive or that you don't have a target. But usually, in terms of joking, there's usually a target. And whether it's another person or whether it's yourself, here's a, here's a quick rule of thumb. Um, the target is usually you know, a specific kind of group or there's something, there's some kind of parameters that set up that group. And if you are part of that group that's being made fun of somehow, um, then you can initiate that humor. But if you have, if you're not part of that group, then it's safer to be invited to to participate. So for instance, um, I had a, a gal that I was mentoring and she came to me afterwards after she did a presentation and she said, you know, I, I told a blonde joke during my presentation and afterwards three women came up and told me that they were offended. And I said, I bet they pointed out to you that you're not blonde. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and so... Um, it's it's funny the things that people will will be offended about, but that again, if you if you can do something that you are part of that group or it's you know part of your identity somehow, it's it's safe. But otherwise, wait to be invited. That makes sense. And and you know we were um, we're, we're talking about humor, uh, and we're talking about people. I think that who maybe 
sometimes don't feel they have the capacity to do that. And I know your blog post, uh, the, a recent one that I read, you had some ideas for people to develop humor. So I think along that same line of like understanding the rules of when to use it, how can somebody practice and, and develop in, in an environment that they're not going to be risking their job or, or saying something that offends people? Right. You know, and, and I really am encouraging people to make this part of their regular practice and rewire their brains so that this becomes second nature. And there's lots of easy ways to to do that. And you can, you know, you can use your mind. You can practice, you know, reframing things or or. Um, exaggerating, catastrophizing, using reframing questions. Um, a quick example is uh, uh, a, a social worker that uh, shared with me that one of his reframing questions in terms of manipulating his mindset was to ask himself when something happened, um, has this changed the Earth's rotation? <laughs> and, you know, if it had not, then he could let it go. So to find humorous ways to kind of reframe things, to to blow them up or to downplay them, to to do things like that, manipulating your mindset is a great way to to practice. Uh, and manipulating your environment um, is is another way. How can you increase the likelihood of experiencing more humor? I actually set a reminder on my phone every day. <laughs> that pops up and I can actually show people how to do this and uh, on their phone just like when you set an alarm you can take out the word alarm and type in whatever you want and it's a reminder to myself to you know use a humor strategy and so I will purposely stop at that point in time and look for something funny um, I seek humor from other people I use other people in terms of my environment asking somebody every single day to share a funny story to share a funny joke something a most em embarrassing moment um, because again those can have some some great humor in them and once I've done this I've now it's a wonderful experience when you seek this from other people because in terms of leadership if you're asking someone else to share humor with you, they're assuming now that you have a sense of humor. And this is a great thing <laughs> because <laughs> humor is seen as a really desirable trait in leaders. And so now they're thinking, well, you must have a sense of humor or you wouldn't have asked me this question. So already you've, you've raised your level of of. Um, validity in their minds in terms of having a sense of humor and you have made the other person feel better and by sharing it um, you've made yourself feel better you get a hit, hit of dopamine when you are helping another person and now you're also collecting more material that you'll be able to share with other people and so just by seeking humor every single day from another person you um, you've done yourself uh, a good service on lots of different levels. And then just manipulating environment in terms of, you know, putting things on your phone so you can find them and podcast, you know, having a downplay of this or something funny or, or bookmarks or um, videos or Pinterest or social media, things that make you laugh. Increase the likelihood and, um, and you'll be able to experience it purposefully every single day. Well, and I was thinking about the alarm, you know, we're already setting alarms so that we stand up and we don't sit too long at our desk. Right. Maybe you can put those in conjunction so you stand up and laugh 
at something. There you go. There you go. Kill two birds with one stone. <laughs> and I actually have an exercise where I teach people to stand up and laugh, even if nothing's funny, even if it's not a real laugh. And I and a lot of times they'll feel a little bit self-conscious about this. But the fact of the matter is your body can't tell the difference between a real laugh and a fake laugh in terms of a lot of your physiology. And so to just really every 50 minutes when you when you have your little alarm and buzzer set that it's like, okay, you know, I've been sitting too long, stand up and just to... For about 10, 15 seconds, just to go. <laughs> yeah, you started laughing back when you heard that noise, and that's we have mirror neurons in our brains that when we hear laughter, we start laughing. This is why they put laugh tracks mm-hmm. on comedies. Like, like you know, the people are afraid we're not going to be smart enough to know that this is funny, or maybe it's just really not that funny, and they need help. But yeah, yeah, I and and it's it's interesting because I I realized that that was the the reaction that would happen when someone laughs. You tend to laugh as well, right. and so uh, you might have your whole uh, office cracking up if you stand up every <laughs> few minutes and don't well, explain what you're doing for a while. Exactly, exactly. Well, people who have the gift of being funny or the gift of being able to make others laugh recognize that they are seen as having more of a magnetic and charismatic personality, which is nice. So being able to make other people laugh, whether it's with you or at you, <laughs> is, is a good thing. Well, and I think, um, boy, that's so much material that we've we've covered already. And I I know you've got uh, you've got a whole session for us. It's going to be on um, September sixteenth, on Friday the sixteenth. And uh, you're the opening general session for the CMP Conclave in Baltimore. And so um, just really uh, looking forward to, uh, to hearing the entire program. It seems like there's a tremendous amount of uh, material that people can walk away with there to really kind of brighten their day and improve their leadership ability. Absolutely. Absolutely. There is just so much. And we are going to cover a lot in the hour. And and I'm hoping that I can be an ongoing resource for them because this is such a powerful tool. And I am so passionate about helping people first recognize what a powerful tool this is. Um, and, And secondly, to become proactive about it, because there's very few people that don't recognize that it feels good to laugh and that it feels good to have a sense of humor. And they've all heard, you know, comments like few people take advantage of using this proactively to really reap the benefits. So I'm very, very excited to have this opportunity to help everybody in the audience gain a competitive edge. Well, and I, I have to uh, apologize. We just had a bit of a technical uh, breakup where we missed a little bit of your uh, your comments there. Okay. Well, um, I'm really profound, whatever it was. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think we'll just uh, go ahead and leave that in and apologize for it. And um, that'll be the mystery that people have to come and find out. <laughs> yeah, to hear what I just said, you have to attend. <laughs> Um, but really, to to be proactive, the the folks who attend, and the folks who actually implement, even just one single thing that I share with them, I absolutely, with every fiber of my being, absolutely believe that it will provide them uh, a healthier, happier life and a competitive edge. 
and that's uh, that's such a terrific goal for uh, for helping in a very stressful industry. And I know um, I know it's going to be very well received and appreciated. I'm, I'll put a link to your website also when I post the blog. Uh, the blog posting of this podcast so the people can come to your website they can see the books you've written which uh are multiple uh and the latest one being lead with levity yes and um so hopefully uh folks can get a look at that they can contact you through there and find out more about your work uh as a neuro humorist as a neuro humorist and if they if they go there and watch the, another book will be coming out later this year on sales funny means money and uh, and I also post frequently on LinkedIn for any of those who are are uh, participants on LinkedIn I invite you to uh, come over and find me there as well well that that's terrific and we're we're really looking forward to September 16th uh, 3 p.m., the opening general session of the CMP Conclave in Baltimore. And hopefully uh, anyone who's attending the Conclave will have a chance to come and uh, listen to some wonderful material on humor and leadership. Thank you so much for being on today. Well, as I mentioned, your voice sounds like chocolate. So this has been just delightful. <laughs> I didn't gain any weight when I talked to you. <laughs> Well, I appreciate that, and now I'm blushing. Luckily, it's uh, it's audio, so no one can see. Thanks, John. Thanks so much. Thank you, and thanks for listening to the podcast, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. This has been the Strategic Meeting Tech Podcast, your podcast source for news and discussions of the meetings and events industry. You can find out more about Strategic Meeting Tech at our website, www.strategicmeetingtech.com. There you'll find resources and information about how we help planners to create better audiovisual and technology outcomes at their events. Our music is provided by Steph Sachs, under license from the Creative Commons, and you can find out more information and links to the artists there on our website as well. Please send any comments or show suggestions to John, J-O-N, at strategicmeetingtech.com. Thanks for listening.